Welcome everyone to this episode of Green Talks. We are back to talk about sustainable policy making locally and continue discussing the potential of challenge-based education at our university. I'm Thomas, your host once again from Green Hub Twente, here to also put attention to the sustainable impact UT employees are making with their dedication and many of their running projects. That's why we made this podcast for you. Now please lay back and enjoy. In this episode, recent graduate Luke Bunk will join us. Luke currently fills the role of Educational Advisor for Challenge-Based Learning, or CBL, at the UT, and is a candidate for Provincial State over ISIL. As you stated on your website, Luke, my approach is personal, environmental-oriented, and with an eye for different perspectives. Sounds just like the idea of challenge-based courses at the UT that you're currently overseeing and advising. What was your journey like up until this point? Well, uh, that's an interesting question, uh, Thomas. Um, I started at this university uh, in the Bachelor of Public Administration, or European Public Administration is what it used to be called. I think nowadays it's called Management, Society and Technology. And I, I, I really enjoyed uh, the different perspectives that came together in this bachelor, as well as with the students that I worked together with. Uh, so many people come from different backgrounds and therefore have very different ideas on, on the problems and issues that arise in the world around us. And that came even more into my mind uh, once I joined the honors programs, because there, in the evening hours, uh, I could have all these discussions also with students who come from completely different disciplines. So imagine me, a public administration bachelor uh, student, discussing climate change with a physics student, and then sometimes having completely different perspectives on how to approach these kinds of issues. And um, this is what really got me into, into education, or as you say, um, the ways in which education can bring perspectives together. And this is also how I got uh, involved into challenge-based learning at some point, because in essence, what challenge-based learning is doing is trying to take uh, societal wicked issues into education to let students from dis different disciplines work together on it, preferably even with people from uh, outside academia. So it's really about connecting these, uh, these different perspectives. Wonderful. So if I get it correctly, you realized you are into CBL without knowing that you are actually doing CBL. Exactly. Wonderful. Uh, before we start this uh, in-depth discussion on CBL and policymaking, I'll be curious about something. So what is your most unsustainable guilty pleasure on the other side? Ooh. Well, my most unsustainable guilty pleasure is taking a long, hot showers. I, I really enjoy uh, long hot showers. It, it, it's, it's almost as if you're cleansing yourself as a person, you know, not only physically because the, the water is nice and yeah. you become clean, but also mentally. It, it, it's almost as if it is a, a perfect moment to reflect on things as well. And, and sometimes I, I come out of the shower and I look at the clock, I'm like, oh, did I just shower for like 30 minutes or 45 minutes? <laughs> that, that, that's not sustainable. Uh, I'm very well aware of that. And uh, maybe that is a, a kind of behavior that I should change for myself as well. Yeah, but we, we know that we need reflection points. And uh, yeah, I must admit, I also have a very similar approach to this. <laughs> All right. But now let's uh, let's move away from what, what's unsustainable and move to what is sustainability for you? Well, sustainability for me is mostly in things to stay, if you get what I mean. I think sometimes we, we really look at, at issues from uh, just one angle or just two angles. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make a change that is sustainable, 
and has a positive impact, you really need to take into account a wider variety of perspectives and even to be able to integrate those. So uh, not only uh, innovations as uh, windmills or solar panels or heat storage or, or whatnot, but also especially mm-hmm. the social side of it and, and the perspectives that people have from their, from their personal lives. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think that's very much understandable and uh, relatable as well. So could you tell then um, within education, what is it that you do that will make it more sustainable? What are your efforts? My efforts are mostly related in the education design, I, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, so in challenge-based learning, what, what you often do is that you start with a so-called big idea. Um, and this big idea is usually a, a very broad, wicked societal issue in which many people have different perspectives. And, and, and climate change or topics related to climate change, such as sustainability or heat transition or, or any other uh, similar topics, are very broad. Mm-hmm. and can be approached from many different scientific disciplines, but also uh, from perspectives outside of academia. So to take those kind of topics as a starting point uh, uh, that you begin your learning process with, you have some sort of a framework in which you have the discussion and which you can, in which you can bring together those different perspectives. And my efforts in this kind of education is to really try to make students understand that they have a perspective and what it means to have a perspective and how one can cross one's own perspective towards someone else's perspective to see someone else's point of view and also, after that, mm-hmm. try to use the insights from the other perspective to get a greater understanding of what is going on. Okay. Because sustainability and climate change is not just um, on, on the physics side of things. There's a very societal part of it as well. Correct. It's, it's definitely a huge pillar of sustainability. So if I understand it correctly, you're talking about cross-disciplinary understanding and cross-disciplinary collaboration as well. I would even go towards transdisciplinary. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, the, the the terms that are often used are multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary, and transdisciplinary, right? And and some people use them uh, through each other, but they, mm-hmm. they, they are three distinct things. Mm-hmm. So in multidisciplinarity, what you would do is that you have like a, a problem or a topic, and then students from different disciplines would look through their own disciplinary glasses, do those things, share their thoughts, but then come to their own separate conclusions. Um, in interdisciplinary working, you try to integrate Mm-hmm. those different disciplinary views and disciplinary uh, conclusions, whereas in transdisciplinary, you also try to include and integrate the perspectives from outside of academia. And I think that is something that we as a university should work towards mm-hmm. because and knowledge creation is not something that only happens within science or only happens within academia. Um, 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 worries or interests or, 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 or perspectives that people have from their regular lives or their regular working lives can be very valid and very insightful too. Okay, that's great. We'll, we'll definitely get back to also what the university could go towards. But uh, it's great that we, uh, we also discussed what these facts really mean because for some students, obviously, this is very insightful. Okay, so um, why did you decide you make this as your mission? realizing uh, talent and sustainability? Well, I I think it was mostly because of a personal experience. So once I joined university and joined the honors programs, it was very insightful for me to 
see that there are different perspectives that are not necessarily better or worse than mine and mm-hmm. that I can learn a lot from. And that is the kind of learning experience that really helped me to better understand the things that are happening around in society and in science. Uh, and I would like to try to provide this learning experience, this insightful moment for other students in the UT as well. So I guess it, it really comes from, from a personal experience in, 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 in that sense. Yeah, well, that's, that's always the best motivation, isn't it? Okay. Um, so really the conclusion is that you are trying to create impact on a personal level yes. in the lives of the people through societal change. Okay, now I'm curious about what is exactly the potential of CBL, challenge-based learning, to solve real issues, real issues in society and environmental issues. Well, those potentials are not only in education itself, but also once people have finished their education. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I think if you want to find your own place in the world where you want to make a particular Um, impact, you first need to understand, at least to some degree, the people around you. You can only be something as opposed to something else, right? So if you do not, at least on a basic level, understand people with a different background, then how can you position yourself in a society? So uh, it is is not only in education itself, but also in, in the long term, that once you have worked together, Uh, on a constructive way with students, mm-hmm. with different backgrounds, with different uh, disciplines, that you gain a greater understanding of why people say certain things, why people think in a certain way, why people act in a certain way. You have a way better understanding of how you can make impact yourself in the way that you want to make impact. Okay, I see. So the way CBL comes into the game for sustainable development is uh, really to offering local solutions and combining talent. So combining the understanding of people and then um, it obviously connects to the SDGs. In my perspective, yes. Yeah. Interesting. So the power, this is the power of CBL then really. Okay, um, can you tell us how is CBL implemented throughout the Netherlands? Um What's wonderful about CBL is that there's not one way of doing things. Mm-hmm. So um, you see that the way CBL is implemented in UT is different from ho- how it's implemented in Eindhoven or Delft or Wageningen or another university anywhere in the world, really. Mm-hmm. And you also see that different uh, courses within UT and different teachers within the UT also take their different styles because the context in which they teach and the students they have also differ, right? So what's nice about CBL is that it offers the flexibility to really look at, okay, what does the student find interesting? What does the teacher find interesting? How can we co- combine those uh, with the needs of society? Mm-hmm. and then make impact. So yeah. the way that it's implemented is very, very diverse. I would, however, argue that the Netherlands, generally speaker, is one of the front runners uh, in this kind of education. Uh, but it doesn't mean that uh, there's not something happening in other countries either. I mean, there are many interesting, very interesting projects uh, also taking various approach all across uh, the world, at least across Europe. Let me put it that way. 
Okay, so if I get it correctly, then the principles might be similar, but the execution is different. Yes. Yeah, on, on the UT side, I believe that we are also part of alliances that really support the growing and development of CBL. Can you talk about that? Yes, I think there are two major alliances that are worth mentioning here, and those are the ECIU on the one hand, uh, the European Consortium of Innovative Universities, which is an alliance of several universities all across Europe, Mm-hmm. who work on the, the development and innovation in this kind of education. And on the other side, the 4TU, so the four technical universities of the Netherlands, being not only Twente, but also Eindhoven, Delft and uh, Wageningen. Great. We're also going to be talking about how the 4TU could uh, collaborate even better. So, But now it's also time to discuss an example about CBL, because we have been talking about what CBL can bring to the table, but what is an exact example of CBL at the UT happening right now? And uh, a good point about this, we're going to be talking about an honors program um, on which kickoff we were both present and met the first time. So um, can you tell about what is the general aim of the 4T Responsible Sustainability Challenge? Well, I do think that um, if you want to go cross perspectives, it might even be good to go even go um, beyond the borders of your own university as well. So what we're trying to do in this honors program is to not only combine the perspectives of students of different disciplines, but also from different universities. Mm-hmm. Because different universities can also have different internal cultures and different ways of, of approaching things. I mean, in the basis, it's similar, of course, but in the, in the execution of things, things can differ. Um, so it's really indeed about bringing those kind of uh, those kind of people uh, uh, together, and especially um, in the honors programs, because in the honors programs you often have uh, a lot more space to 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 go beyond disciplines mm-hmm. than you would have uh, in a regular curriculum. Because of course, in a regular curriculum, you you have a particular set of objectives that you need to finish at the at the end of your curriculum in order to be an expert or professional in your particular field. Um, but in the honors programs, you have uh, a lot of space to to experiment with that uh, yeah, and who are giving the objectives to that because I, I also heard that there are also companies involved yes yes yeah yeah, yeah. I, well the course itself of course is is, is built by university staff mm-hmm. um, however uh, there are companies uh, uh, involved in this course as well in which the students work together uh, KLM is, is for instance an example of a company that is involved in this course uh, also providing their own perspective on, on, on particular issues. And, uh, well, one might agree or might disagree with the perspective of a company, but one way or another, if you are in a democratic world, you will have to be able to to manage different perspectives and manage different principles, especially if, if you want to get something done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need to be able to, to bridge those. And I think that the involvement of private sector uh, uh, companies in that can be very valuable if you want to be impactful, especially later in your professional life. Yeah, yeah. This is a very strong opinion, but we're also going to be talking about through um, how could this really this approach facilitate sustainable policy making. Yes. Okay. Um, so now you are also going into candidateship and uh, politics very soon. Can you tell us why did you decide to drive sustainable development through these tools? Let's call them. Well, there there are many ways in which you can try to facilitate change. Right, mm-hmm. you can you can try to facilitate change through science, um, through business, through politics, through other areas that that you might find interesting. But what what I think I observe 
or what I think I see in, in, in when it comes to climate change and sustainability is that uh, oftentimes there is a clash of perspectives uh, on many different areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's a lot of technology already there. Uh, of course, we should keep on innovating. We should always do that. But I think a lot of technology is already there. But you need to make uh, choices that do not only look at efficiency, but also at what people are willing to adopt and what they would like to have in their living environment. You cannot just enforce things upon people, I think. And that, that doesn't also lead to sustainable change, if you get what I mean. If you want a change to stay, you need to involve people. And I think that makes the most sense in a democratic society. And I think, um, because you know I am born and raised in the countryside, um, first person in my family to study at a university, now uh, living here for several years, working at UT. I, I, I think that I can see the value in, 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 in different perspectives from my own personal experience and that, and I, tr- I try to bring them together more towards this common objective of becoming more sustainable. And by, by combating climate change, um, trying to get people out of, the, out of the ditches, so to say, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the motivation is clear. Um, I'm also from the countryside, also although from another country totally as well. So bringing together perspectives and uh, growing up also with a different background, with different people around is is very valuable experience. But um, tell us about now, in the current situation, what challenges does one face like you in, in an environment to make an impact in this field? Well... There, there, there are many challenges, I would say. But uh, th- the main challenge that, that, that would be there is to, to, to really uh, get different people on board with different perspectives. That, that's mm-hmm. the main challenge that is there. And I think that I can add something in that because of the personal experiences I've had in my life. Uh, because like I said, uh, there are many innovations already there. But if we only look at the technology and we do not uh, look how people perceive them to be in their own environment, um, it will not lead to change. Change will only be there, I think, in a society once you're able to combine those things. And that's what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you, for example, see Shaping 2030, the vision of the UT, um, actually being implemented on this scale and reaching um, goals, perhaps? Well, um, it's always good to, to, ha- to have a vision. And I think it's also good to have sustainability in there. Um, uh, however, if you want to execute something and you want something to last, you will need to involve people. And of course, for the establishment of shaping, a lot of people were involved as well. Mm-hmm. But um, involvement is not only there, should not only be there in the vision creation, but also in the execution thereof or the implementation thereof, mm-hmm. if, if mm-hmm. you get what I mean. Because yeah. it impacts the people in their personal lives or their, or their own working environment. And uh, people will, um, I think, uh, mostly accept it once they're involved into that process. Yeah. Can you name some challenges that maybe the Shaping 2030 is currently facing? Well, it, it, it depends on, on, on how you look at it. And mm-hmm. it depends on what elements of shaping we're talking about uh, as well. So that really, so from, from the education side, so bringing in sustainability into challenge-based learning, that's also part of how the UT is trying to shape itself to become more sustainable, right. correct? Right. So, so once once you're going to build a CBL course, I do mm-hmm. th- I do not think it is too difficult to connect sustainability to it. 
mm-hmm. because sustainability is such an, an, a transdisciplinary field in itself. Uh, there's so many different perspectives on it. So once once you are already at the step like, okay, I want to develop education in, in which I want to bring different students from different backgrounds together, then the step towards sustainability is not too hard, I would say. That's great. So there is nothing really to discourage ourselves or um, the Educational Institute to bring this forward. That That is really great. Um, do you know any opportunities here in the region that could be to our advantage? And uh, what would be your strategy when looking on on um, a regional level, sustainability and policy making? Mm-hmm. Well, there, there, there are lots of developments going on in, in, in this region, especially in Twente, because Twente is a very innovative region, right? There's lots of people who have, are very creative, have many cool ideas, but then you also sometimes lose the oversight. Mm-hmm. And you now see that in the UT there are some voices of some 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 um, scientists who are trying to create a center or institute in which they try to combine uh, the different things or at least uh, put together the different things that are happening on climate change in the UT. And I think that that is very helpful. And I think that, for instance, a government like a province of Overijssel should very uh, uh, well work together with those kinds of institutions to gather the knowledge that is being created in university and see to what extent we, we, we can use that in practice in society. So that is one thing that I would think uh, is very uh, valuable in that. Okay, so it's really about connecting actors, um, but also from, from previous talks, I remember you told me that you like to bet on different horses. Yes. What, what do you mean by that? Well, what you often see is that there's just many discussions about flying right mm-hmm. uh, and also about the future of the hyperloop uh, as opposed to flying um, i do think that the hyperloop is a very interesting experiment but there are many governments who are already investing in that and making room in their legislation for it so um, i think there's an opportunity for a region like twente to go on a bet on a different horse and that is um, emission free flying because we have an airfield in Twente. We're not using it for, for, for holiday uh, flights. And I, and I think it's good that we're not doing that. Uh, I mean, we have a Schiphol and we have an Eindhoven, we have an, uh, a Flughaven, a Münster, uh, Osnabrück. So I think there, there are airports enough nearby. But um, it's very expensive to build an airport like this. So it would be a mm-hmm. waste to, to do it, to throw it away, right? Um, but there's so many, so many research going on about how to make planes a bit more sustainable, uh, to let them make less noise, um, to let them emit fewer uh, uh, greenhouse gases and, and those kind of things. So what if, what if we can use this airport as an experimentation field, right? Mm. Where, where, where we can, um, the, the newly developed uh, uh, emission-free planes can be tested and experimented with. Can we get them into the air? Can we get them down? We, we have the infrastructure here. Schiphol is not going to close the lane for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is why I think we should really invest in these kind of things. Because we're not going to build a railway between Amsterdam and New York. That, that's not feasible. We, we, we got to do something uh, 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 to make those kind of things a bit more sustainable. And I know there are many people out there who say, I'm not going to fly anymore. And I think that's admirable, honestly. I think that's, that's very, very, very nice that people say that. But I think a lot of people will not do that. So, uh, and maybe cannot even do that. Uh, because of the kind of work they're doing or uh, the kind of things they're, they're, they're pursuing. So therefore, I think that in flying, we also should try to make it a bit more sustainable. So if the Hyperloop doesn't work out or if the train doesn't work out, at least we have another option, uh, another horse that we've bet on. And if in the end, uh, everything goes via Hyperloop, also good. 
right? But it's just just to be sure. But I th because I think that if you really want to do good governance, mm -hmm. you, you got to have several options that you're doing at the same time. So if one option falls down, you still have the other one, especially in climate change, because there's so much change happening so fast that we do not have much time, I think, to, to, to really do one after the other. I think we should do and and, mm -hmm. if you get what I mean. Yeah. Concretely, can you give me an example who would be a collaborator for the airport? Who, who could you see and uh, how would you approach this? Well, uh, the, the, the ground of the airport is owned partially by the municipality of Enschede and partially by the province of Overijssel. So they're definitely stakeholders uh, in, in developing this area. Um, and at the same time, I think we should really make a connection with the, with the UT and also with this uh, newly to be founded Center Institute in Sustainability to see if we can uh, also connect research from our region to this. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, maybe also uh, more, more, more practical uh, kinds of uh, education institutes to also really build the things that are being designed also here in the region. Uh, it can at the same time also be an economic ex um, impulse in that sense. So. This is how I uh, would look at it. Maybe we should even talk to Delft, you know, and Delft, yeah, they also correct. do a yeah. lot of research on, on this area and, and see if we can develop a bit more expertise on this area here in Twente as well, because here we have the physical airfield. Indeed, indeed. And Delft is developing their own um, CO2 neutral plane for, for yes. with uh, collaboration with KLM and uh, Airbus as well. Yes. So that's, that's pretty much um, a revolution as well in aviation right now. Okay, um, now I want to move a bit further away from um, sustainable policy making and uh, look from the side of us students or just in general the society and how we have a saying in this. So um, with this instance I somewhat like to ask you for your opinion on um, how our voice of students could be used more effectively to bring this kind of change that you also promising through um, political ownership mm -hmm. in our society? Well, I think you should first start by um, making the voice. Mm -hmm. And this is a term that I often use, but I think many other people have also used, and that is the, the, the citizen scientist. So um, you have really developed yourself as an expert in a particular field, and from your field, you can say something about sustainability. But mm -hmm. then you also need to actually say that uh, and actually act upon that. Uh, and talk with others about that. But uh, preferably in a constructive way, I would say, because I do not think that um, uh, if you wanna, if you really push to watch others that po people will resist even more. And if you really wanna make a sustainable change, you should get people on board, different perspective on board. So I think it's important to really uh, understand what kind of perspective you have on sustainability Mm -hmm. and how, how, what kind of impact you can have on that. And at the same time, uh, try to put it forward uh, and influence, for instance, politics by joining a political party or whatever, um, and, and use it as in, in a constructive dialogue to facilitate change. Okay, so somewhat you are now opposing against, let's say, aggressive um, activism. But um, I do think that activism is very important, and that's the stance of um, Greenhub as well. So can we talk about what should be the role of activism and education to enforce the sustainable policy making? I do not think we should be too activist in education. Because it is not up to a university to enforce a perspective on its students, mm -hmm. I think. Students have different perspectives and one student might be more activist and one student might be less activist and that is fine. 
as long as you can find your own place in the world around us. But we shouldn't be forcing our own perspective or the perspective of one particular kind of student on the perspective of the other kind of student. Because that's, again, not sustainable change. I understand. So again, back to the point that we need constructive dialogue. I think so, yes. And we need to align, respect and understand each other's perspectives. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, what would be your takeaway message from this podcast? My takeaway message to the people who have watched or listened to this podcast or what I've learned from you. Uh, well, first, you can uh, answer what the public listening to this mm -hmm. would uh, or should take away from from our talk. And um, yeah, maybe you can also reflect if you have learned something new or you, you got insight into what you were just talking about. Um, one of the things that, that I would give as a, as a personal takeaway message is to really reflect upon your own perspective on the world around you and try to also have a beer with a person who has a completely different perspective from you and to see how that person look at the world around you and why. And try to also understand, especially the reasons why, because then you can have something that you can work on. And mm -hmm. I, I think that is one of the big uh, challenges in, in, in crises like climate change or in, in sustainability and, and energy transition and all those kind of things is that Um, people often think a bit too much from their own perspective uh, and, 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 and people do not necessarily accept, accept, uh, take over your perspective in, in a sense. You need, you need to be able to align with the perspective of the other in order to, to, to ask for change, I think. Okay, I see. Uh, could you please elaborate lastly on what a scientist citizen is and mm -hmm. um, whether we should try to to move forward to being one a scientist citizen in my view is someone who is very involved in their own uh, discipline or their own profession or their own field of expertise um, and on the basis of that expertise also uh, forms their own opinion and voices those Mm -hmm. uh, because what you see in, in many societal issues is that scientists often stand on the sidelines okay we're only giving data But the point is that data in itself don't say that much. Data needs to, data to be analyzed. And everyone can, of course, uh, uh, analyze data. But I think it is important that you give your own conclusion. However, in this communication, you need to be clear. This is the data and this is my personal conclusion, right? You do not mix up uh, science and opinion. Mm -hmm. But be clear. This is the science part. This is my opinion part. And this is why. So the scientist citizen is not merging science and citizenship. Mm -hmm. No, it's about being aware you have several roles in society and fulfilling them in their own way. And at the same time, in communication, giving a clear boundary between, okay, this is in this role and this is in that role, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. I think it's also important that we understand our role in society to be concerned of what is happening around us because that is the only way we can only achieve a better future together and uh, that was it for this episode thank you very much for being here and thank you for everyone for listening to this episode and see you next time <laughs>